Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome back to Boston Cage Podcast. On today's show, we have a, a special guest. Let me give you a little backstory of, of how uh, Edgar and I met. So randomly out of nowhere, one day I get this email saying, hey, guy, I like what you're doing. I want you on my podcast. And I'm like, well, how did this guy even find me? Like, like where does this information come from? So being who I am, I followed back up. Him and I had some conversations and then come to find out, I mean, we have a lot of commonalities. We're, we're both, you know, like entrepreneurs, we're both like multifaceted, multi-talents. So it just kind of made a great fit. And then, he, you know, we had his podcast on his show, but I'm not going to ruin that. I'm going to let him kind of tell you a little bit of who he is. So Edgar, the floor is yours. Tell our audience who you are. First of all, brother, thank you for having me on the show today. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was a weird one because the first thing you asked me is, why did you pick me? And talked about it and to be able to talk about that and have you on the podcast, man, that was amazing. Great outcome. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, listeners reach out and, you know, thankful for the advice that you gave them. And um, so just a little bit about myself. My name is Edgar Sierra. I am 25 years old. I own the company ECR Media, and I am the host of the Daily Entrepreneur Podcast as well. Um, I've been in business going on four years. I hold an associate's degree in criminal justice, a bachelor's in photography with double minors in entrepreneurship business administration, and I'm currently working on my master's degree in cybersecurity. Got it, got it. So, and the funny thing is, on your podcast, you were saying I'm a jack of all trades, and it seems like I mean, obviously, you're following the, the, the same philosophy, right? So, I mean, how did you get into those multi multiple different areas of expertise? Well, you know what? It, it kind of started when I was uh, really young. Um, when I was about 16, um, I joined, uh, actually it was 14, but I joined uh, what's called the, the, the Police Explorer Program, which is like an ROTC for our local police department. And um, I went on to become the sergeant there and I, and I ran the program for a couple of years. And one of the things is that there was an officer there by the name of Ira Coffey. And the dude once told me while we we're having uh, lunch, he said, you need to be able to do multiple jobs uh, to be marketable or understand at least different industries. And that always stuck with me because one of the things is that when I was growing up, uh, my biggest thing was law enforcement. That's what I wanted to do. That's where I always wanted to be. And eventually as I grew, it wasn't that I didn't like it. It wasn't that there was something that scared me away. It was just that I didn't want to live in that path for 20 years, 25 years, 30 plus years when you can retire. And so as I started going to school, um, kind of my thing was that I realized that we have this, this society mentality of, you know, go to school, get a job, well-paying job, get the white picket fence house, start a family and all this. And I just, that wasn't for me and it's never been for me. And um, <clears throat> so when I was going to school, one of the biggest things that I hated was I had a job where I worked for the Department of Homeland Security. And it was, it was a stressful, it was a stressful job. And uh, so they were making me choose between going to school or staying at the job. And I left and I went to school and I started school full time. But one of the things that I saw while at the university was a lot of people had a nine to five job or a four to six job in the morning, just to make them buy on top of taking 12, 15 credits. I mean, 
it realistically, I was just like, that's just not for me. So as soon as I left the Department of Homeland Security, I uh, started uh, ECR Media. And it was just, I'm like, you know what? I don't know what this is going to become about it. And we'll see what happens. And uh, so we, we continued on to, you know, to open up. And I struggled just like every other entrepreneur. I started, you know, the company, it was initially just photography. It, it grew into videography and now design. And, you know, we do a bunch of different stuff. But it, one of the biggest things is that starting a business in college was the best thing for me because I didn't have to call anybody. I didn't have to worry about calling a boss or a supervisor say, hey, I'm not coming in today or, um, you know, any of that. Like if I had an exam and I needed to study, guess what? I studied on my own time. I didn't have to call somebody. I don't have to worry about going to work. But it also was a balance of getting, you know, taking care of my clients and then coming back, studying for the test and then doing my test. Like I knew this balance that I really wanted. And one of the things that, you know, and I'm going to bring this up from my podcast that we talked about is that there's certain industries where you do need school and there's other ones that you don't. Mm -hmm. My honest opinion is that photography is not something that you should go to school for. I honestly, if I could do it again, I would do it all over because photography is one of those things where it's very hands-on half. I mean, actually a hundred percent of everything that I learned in school about photography, I had already known there wasn't a challenge for me in the photography in, in photography classes. It wasn't a challenge at all. Business and entrepreneurship were a whole different story. That I mean, those classes challenged me left and right, and I really dig that. But honestly, to spend as much money as I did on school for what I was taught, it has it has changed me for a little bit, but not. I wouldn't say enough to say I you know this degree definitely is going to earn me more money. That's that's not the case at all. Well, I finished school. Actually, the last part of my semester was right when COVID happened. And so everything went online. And I kind of was starting to figure like, photography may not always be here. I mean, it might be something that some people do care about and, and video and photography people care about um, in certain brands and in other companies they don't. And one thing that I took a step back and I said, well, what is something that is always going to be here? And I realized that that was... Uh, the internet. The internet, I mean, if it goes anywhere, we'll lose. I mean, dude, there's going to be some mayhem. Let's be honest with that. Let's. There's no way that it would go away. And if it does, like I said, there's going to be mayhem with it. And so I started really thinking about it. I talked to a couple of people that I knew about cybersecurity. And I was just like, you know what? That's it. That's what I need to do. And so I started getting into it. Um, you know, two classes into my master's already. I just graduated with my bachelor, graduated uh, with my bachelor's in June. And I'm already on to my master's and I'm excited. Um, but that whole idea of having multiple incomes from multiple industries is what I really saw was more valuable than anything else at that point. And yeah, jack of all trades, man, ever since Ira Coffee, that officer ever told me that, um, it really helped out. Hold on. Yep. It's no problem. So I mean, I 
to, to, to our viewers, right? So we just had a, a brief pause. So I, I kind of want to, like, the definition that you just gave was definitely a, a fulfilling definition of currently the journey that you're on from education to business, right? So just right. stepping back into, like, prime example, right? We're in the middle of a podcast. We got interrupted because what are you working on? Like, I mean, tell the viewers a little bit about, like, where you are right now. Like, what's going on in the background? Why, why are people knocking on your door talking about <laughs> construction items right now? <laughs> So, uh, so going back to that, man, so I, as I took on the business, um, there's goals you have to set, right? And my goal was that by, by 20, 20, end of 2020, I would have an office. That sped up and it happened at the end of 2019. And I said by 2021, end of 2021, I was going to have a studio. It's already happening. That's why this is going on because this entire wall is getting torn down. Um, everything behind me, they're, they sped up the process. It wasn't supposed to happen this way, man. But yeah, that's why we got interrupted. The growth of the business has gone from running it out of my apartment to now having a full-fledged office to now having a studio connected to my office, which is insanely crazy. You know, if you had told me even, you know, beginning of 2019 that this would be happening right now, I would have laughed at you. So, I mean, talk, talk about the studio a little bit. So, I mean, what kind of studio? I mean, studio could be defined in multiple things. It could be music studio. Right. I mean, photography. So what kind of studio are you building out? Um, so, we're building out a photography studio, videography studio, whichever way you want to see it. We're going to have uh, multiple backdrops. Uh, we're actually going to create a vanity for our makeup artist. And we're hoping to uh, really allow other photographers, business owners, or whoever may need the studio space to come and use it. We're going to rent it out. And I'm hoping to also give back to the university because their studio is, is pretty small and they have a time limit. So I want to be able to offer that to the university students in photography to come and shoot and uh, be able to do that as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. So in that, in that space, right. And, and the irony is that I had um, Paul McPherson on this and it's, it's kind of funny because I'm thinking about his background and his background. He was trying to become a police officer. He ended up being a photographer. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of similar to your story, right? Which is crazy. Yeah. So, and, and the question I asked him, I'm going to ask you because it, I, what I've realized being in the media, every time you have a videographer and a, a photo person, you ask them this question just because they always have crazy stories. So okay. what's the, the most interesting or crazy thing that's ever happened with you being behind a camera? Um, oh, this actually happened last year. Um, I went out to go do a, a shoot mm. and it was a graduation shoot. And as um, shooting, um, there was people riding horses behind us. And, you know, this area was a ranch area and um, it was public land. And as I was there, I kind of heard a noise. So I stopped shooting. I looked back and this girl got bucked off the horse. So I see this chick just bone getting hit and torn around by this horse I dropped my camera. I start, I told my client's son, I said, here's my keys, go grab my backpack. Cause I always carry a first aid bag with tourniquets and all kinds of stuff in my car. I said, go grab my backpack. And he took off towards my car. I ran and there was this ditch and I like, I stepped wrong, hit my ankle, but I, it, I don't know. I, I guess adrenaline was dumping in me that I jumped the the fences that they have or these, you know, these fences that they have for horses. I just ran to the chick. I, I ran to go see if she was okay. 
um, rendered first aid to her. Um, luckily, she was fine, but that happened in the middle of a photo shoot. How I jumped that fence, how I didn't just stop when I hurt my ankle, no idea. But I would say that would be the craziest. That was the craziest thing during a shoot. Yeah, that that's definitely deems it to be crazy. I mean, I can't, I can't, I'm thinking about like, okay, I'm shooting somebody and I'm taking pictures and I see somebody fly off a horse in the background. Like that's YouTube worthy, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> and honestly, um, I I just was like, I brought my composure back. Um, you know, started shooting again. But that I guess yeah, you could say that was the craziest thing I've seen. Gotcha, gotcha. So I mean, going back back to your business, right? So I mean, obviously yeah. you're you're multiplying you're scaling and you have multiple businesses going on like what systems do you have in place to manage all these different things that you have your hands in currently um it, that's a hard one because uh it's not like i write everything down right mm -hmm. and and that could be a good a good thing and a, and a bad thing but the way that i do manage a lot of my stuff is through a crm or customer relations management software uh that allows me to keep track of clients tasks um you know, a little bit of everything. And, and realistically, it's kind of weird that now that you even bring it up is I don't physically write things down. I know what I have to do. I know who my clients are. I know what is due for, you know, the next week or whatever it may be. But geez, now that you ask about it, yeah, I've never written things down. I've never really kept track. I just know what I need to do for who I need to do it for. And that's one of the things with my clientele is that I'm willing to give them 110% without them even knowing it. Um, and I, I, I mean, there is times I forget little things, but typically if I forget something, it's not, not something that's on my radar that, you know, to keep in the back of my head for much long. Gotcha. Gotcha. I mean, yeah, recently I had a, a episode with Damon. I call him the SEO beast master and the episode's coming out pretty soon. Right. But right. the reason why I call him the SEO beast master and come through the conversation that we had, he then told me that everything that he's ever done, he documented it. And by documenting it, he made it into systems and he made that like he went from maybe a couple hundred thousand to well into the millions, right? It's like right. half a million dollars in a year just by creating systems that were easy, easily maintained because now he doesn't have to think about it anymore. Now he can kind of deliver, hey guys, this is what we need to do on Tuesday. We have a new client. This is the onboarding. This is the onboarding system. Then once we get the SEO rolling, we're going to do audits. This is the audit system. Yeah. So he has everything documented. So, and that, the reason why I ask that question is just kind of like, like once you hear how successful he is and the steps that he took to get there, he was just like, he sat down for a couple of weeks and just wrote everything down, got everything off his head and put it in digital form and made systems out of it. And by doing that, it, his, his business has grown, you know, like a hundredfold overnight because of that. Right. And, and I have seen that before. One of the, um, one of the things that we're learning with cybersecurity is how to mm. code. And there's actually a system called Python where you mm. can actually automate everything from having your computer write your emails to starting up in a certain way so that it executes all this and your computer set up however you want. And that's crazy. I have heard about that before. I've never seen somebody that actually took the time and, and did it because just like most people, you know, I, it's not that I'm lazy. I just, I don't have the time to sit there and do that, but man, that would be awesome to have a system set up like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just one of those things that once you hear about businesses and, and, and they get to the level of success that you want to achieve, nine out of 10 of them are building systems, right? Microsoft, right. Amazon, Target, Walmart, all of them are system-driven enterprises, right? So, right. So, I mean, going back into to your business, like, so you're a pretty young guy, right? I mean, I think like, I'm 40 and you're like, what, mid-20s or something like that? 
25 25 right so this is this is going to be kind of like an awkward question but i, I kind yeah. of want to see what your response is right so we always hear that people that take 20 years to get to the level of success that they that's perceived to be an overnight success considering that you're 25 right, right. obviously it didn't take you 20 years to get to where you are <laughs> Right, so, right. So, how, so, how long did it realistically take you to kind of get to where you have an office? You're building out a studio. What, what was that journey like, time wise? Uh, honestly, it's uh, if we want to put it from the time I actually gave 110 percent to everything, uh, it's only been about four years. And but prior to that, you know, I didn't start. I started photography when I was about 16. Kind of just shot as a hobby. Didn't really care too much about it. Um, because law enforcement was on my mind, but realistically, when I took it seriously was at the end of uh, 2017, and um, that's where you know things really took off. I got my business license. I started learning how to do business, and see, it was kind of weird. My my story is a little bit different though, because I got the I got a big break, and I was out doing a shoot randomly at a place called Moon Rocks here locally in Reno, and this random lady came up to me and was like hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, we're doing this photo shoot. Now, the reason she asked is I do this type of photography called light painting, which basically you open a, you know, open the shutter up on a camera and you paint with light, you know? So she comes over and looks at the photos and uh, she's like, man, these are, these are awesome. I'm like, hey, well, thanks. I appreciate it. And so she's like, how would you like to be my head photographer? I'm like, what are you talking about, lady? Apparently she had a couple magazines here in town. I called her a couple of days later. We met up and, you know, it was like a Friday we met at nine in the morning, eight and, you know, nine in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. By the end of the day, she had lined up six photo shoots for me. Hmm. And the first photo shoot I ever had was with Jaguar Land Rover. How that happened? No idea, man. Because at the time, I still considered myself an amateur. I was like, there's no way I'm shooting this. Well, they fell in love with my work. She started giving me more work and I created this network around those people and her clientele that really put me over the edge. I mean, they put me over the top and, you know, I, I can't say that I haven't worked hard because there was a lot of long nights, a lot of long days. Um, but one of the things that I started that I kind of saw myself was that if I never, you know, strive for the next big thing, then that next big thing will never come. And I've been broke, man. I've, uh, you know, I've had a girlfriend, you know, pay my bills for a month because I had no money. Um, I've had, you know, my parents um, have invested time. I'd have my dad come out with me and assist me during shoots because I couldn't pay somebody, um, you know, things like that. And, and realistically, where I'm at um, is, is just a matter of, of caring less about sleep and more about the success of tomorrow. Hmm. And you know, one of the biggest things that has impacted my life when hearing it was somebody said, you have the same 24 hours as Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Cuban, Gary Vee, all these guys, and they're right. And what you do with those 24 hours is what's going to determine, um, you know, what you do tomorrow or how the, uh, what the outcome of this tomorrow or next year, whatever. And that's really, I took, I took that to heart and I still do. I mean, I was up this morning at six, I already hit the gym and here I am talking to you and I still have a full day ahead of me, mm -hmm. right? There's so much more to go. And that's realistically why I've gotten to where I'm at in the time that I have. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, other people aren't doing the same. Mm 
it's a matter of fact of what you're doing because there is businesses that take longer to take off, right? Um, there is businesses that have to have to be able to prove that they're better than the next competitor. And that sometimes is harder, especially when you're monopolizing or trying to uh, beat you know, one competition. Um, and, and photography and videography, you know, kind of we grew the way we grew based on society too, because with social media being a big thing, businesses need content. They need to be able to post. They need to be able to keep their clientele up there. And I really think that's what has pushed us there. And the, the I, I think the biggest part of everything besides my work, besides putting in hours is a network that I, I, I grew as well because I joined um, a local organization called AF Reno, American Advertisement Federation of Reno. And they had so many connections within the Reno Sparks area that I started getting business. And that network is what's super important because had I not, you know, joined this organization, I don't think anybody would know who I am. I don't think I would have the office. I don't think I'd be making the clients that I have or having the portfolio that I have. And that's really what, you know, is a big, a big thing. You know, one of our, one of my guests on the daily entrepreneur, her name is Rachel Gattuso. That's how I met her. And when she came on the show, that was her, the way that she started her business. She said something that, that really hit me and it's activate your network. One of the things that we kind of see in business is that you usually wait for your family and your friends to come and support your business. And nine out of 10 times they'll support once and be gone. They don't share your stuff. They don't, you know, do anything to support the business realistically. And that's one thing that I never held on to. I was never expecting my family to do anything. I, I knew that from a beginning and I just said, I need to grow this. I need to grow this to where I want it to be. And that's kind of where it went about, man. I, I don't think that I would say I haven't been lazy because yeah, there is times that I do. I just take a whole day off and I do nothing. Hmm. Right. But there's days, you know, for example, this whole week is, is a stressful week for me. I'm, I'm going from having to tear down my office uh, to flying out to Washington, to going down to Mexico, have to come back, put the office together and, it's going to be a crazy couple of weeks. It's been stressful. It's been exhausting. And I can't tell you that, um, you know, 25 has been the best year for me. I mean, it is 2020 and, you know, there's been challenges along the way and that's just what it is. I just don't, uh, I, I just don't waste time on those little things, you know, getting drunk wasn't my thing. I mean, I go and socially drink with friends, but I don't spend time like that because, you know, hanging out and, and trying to get over a hangover the next day, that's why it's a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, that's wasted time for me. Um, things like going out and just, you know, raging with friends or things like that. I, I do them so solemnly because like I said, you, I want to, I want to basically live a life that other people are willing to live so that I can live the life that I want later down the road. I'm young. Um, I have the energy. I, I mean, you know, I can learn things a lot faster, but if I wait until I'm 50 years old to try to learn, learn something new, it may take a longer time than I, than it is now. And, you know, there is some people that would rather live their life at a nine to five working for a person that just sees them as a number um, that may not care about them if they get sick or not, you know, Mm -hmm. that's just not what I want. I want to be able to live uncomfortably because I still do. I mean, I 
don't make a whole ton of money. I, I, you don't, I'm not out here driving a Bentley, you know, things like that. But I know that maybe someday I may have the chance to, I may be able to pay off my house in 10 years versus 30 years. I may be able to live that life down the road. And that's where it really matters to me because at the end of the day, we all get older, we're all going to die. We all, you know, get to that stage. And that's why I'm taking advantage of these young years as much as I can so that down the road, I don't have to worry about living on social security or don't have to worry about, you know, my kids having to take care of me or having to put me in, a, in you know, a, their house or whatever, things like that. Just, that's just not what I live for or what I want. Hmm. Gotcha. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, and, 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 and those topics that you just brought up, I think one big thing that's the collective theme of what you said is just seizing the opportunities, right? Knowing the opportunities, knowing when they present themselves, and it's whether it's positive or negative opportunities. To your point, right? Negative opportunities being drinking too much and getting hanging over, right? And, and, and then trying to recover and you're wasting 48 hours doing that versus the positive opportunity is you're at a photo shoot and you're doing light paintings and somebody says, hey, come. And then the thing is, you seize an opportunity. You could have looked at her information and thrown it away, but you you contacted her within 48 hours, you followed up. That's the beauty of what you said is that the opportunity presented itself and you didn't let the opportunity slip through your hands. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big point. I mean, look at us. Let, let's take just me and you, for example. Mm-hmm. Before this podcast started, what happened? I mean, you were talking about something that you want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you brought it up and I may have somebody that could help you out. So simple like that. It's a simple, I mean, and you didn't even mean to bring it up. You might've, you know, just had in the back of your head. And then I asked you, you know, what's new with you? You told me what you wanted to do. And I may have a connection for you, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's about season opportunity. And sometimes people don't do that. People are too scared to just some, some simple ask. And in business, you, you don't really have the time for that. If I was like to say, I say, Hey, I need this design work. If I never asked you, Mm -hmm. you'd never know. We may never connect about it. Yep. If I simply ask you, a no is a no. Or, hey, I, I don't have time to do that. Or, hey, I may have somebody else that may be able to help you at you know, what you're looking for. Cool. Yep. But, and, and that's, like you said, seizing that opportunity has been one of the key factors to the success of my business at this point. Hmm. So what's one thing you would do differently if you could do it all over again? You know, I don't live my life with regrets. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I think every mistake that I've made has, has made me the man, the person, the business owner, the entrepreneur that I am today. And that is a common question, but dude, I, I just can't find something that I could say I would do all over again. Because I think had I not struggled when I left, you know, working for the Department of Homeland Security, had I not struggled, I wouldn't value money as much. Mm-hmm. Where now I value and you know care about the ROI or the return of investment of every dollar that I spend in this business. You know, I recently met somebody that had money. They went off and spent $150,000 on a business plan with very little to no ROI. And I did it backwards. I was surviving to make this happen and I was hungry, right? I I was I was hungry for that success and I I think had I had disposable money, I don't think I'd be here right now. I don't think I'd be where I'm at because then money would just be another thing. It wouldn't, wouldn't have the value that it holds today. Hmm. Hmm. 
So, I mean, just hearing you speak, right, for, for a 25-year-old, I mean, it, it's definitely an inspiration to know that you're the next upcoming generation that can create wealth, that can create businesses, that can create opportunities. Yeah. Who, who did that for you? Do you come from an entrepreneurial background, entrepreneurial family, your dad, your mom, aunties, uncles? I mean, where, where, where does that pizzazz come from? You know, man, it, actually, it's the complete polar opposite. Um, my parents are immigrants from Mexico. Um, all they really know, and you know, my dad had been working in the factories in Mexico since he was five years old. And one of the things that kind of, you know, is, is their thing is that they never went to school. They, in Mexico, it's kind of different. They, you can only go to school until elementary school, anything over that. Uh, you basically have to pay for high school, college, all that. And they grew up in, a, in poor families. And that's why they migrated to the U.S. And uh, they've been here. And, all, you know, everything that they've had to do is hard labor. And that's really where I wanted to go away from because I helped my dad. He was in construction. We did what's called geotech drilling. And on the summers, I'd go work with him. And let me tell you, that was not an easy job. I mean, Long days, uh, summers were, you know, 110 degrees. I would get sunburns on top of sunburns. And then I still would have to go home and, you know, get ready for the next day. It had to be up in six hours, seven hours. And it sucked. I mean, it sucked. But that's where I really learned the value of hardworking, right? Being in an office and, and shooting doesn't, doesn't just take away that hard work. You still have to work. You still, you know, there's still things to do and, and still planning to do. But that's what I didn't want. I didn't want to have to worry about that nine to five. I didn't have to worry about those issues that my parents went through. Mm. You know, my parents did what they had to do to raise us. I mean, there's four of us. I have another brother and two sisters and they had to do what they had to do to raise us. And, you know, the hardest part was that they had to go through, um, you know, the, the recession of 20, uh, 2007 and, my parents' jobs were the first ones to go. You know, construction went down. There was no construction, no infrastructure bills, nothing like that going through. Um, my mom worked in, in a factory where they did uh, shingles for roofing. Mm. If construction's down, that doesn't, you know, there's no production for that. And that's really where I think the drive came from was knowing that, you know, I had a better opportunity and a better chance at creating a business that I can give back to them. Nice. You know, I was I was given the chance to um, go to college. I was given the chance to you know finish high school. I was given all these chances. Was it easy? No, but I, I think realistically that freedom of not having to have that nine to five or the boss to call or somebody to worry about is what really drove me to be where I'm at today and you know push to where I'm at and you know kind of a. a little backstory to all of this, you know, I was actually supposed to be a dad at 16. Hmm. I, you know, I, I was supposed to have twins with my girlfriend at the time. And I, let me tell you, I mean, it, they, she miscarried and um, that really drove me to, to be a different person. Um, you know, how the hell was I supposed to raise kids at 16? I mean, I wasn't even a man yet. I was a, man I was nowhere near where I am today and uh, that really changed my aspect of life and wanting to have a better place because had I not finished high school I'd probably be doing hard labor just trying to make it for my family mm -hmm. and I think that really changed the outcome of the future and where I'm at today 
Nice, nice. So, I mean, it's safe to say without any question, without a doubt, is that your upbringing is the reason why you're successful today, right? I mean, just having that ingenuity to kind of see your family overcome those hurdles and you wanting to have more for them gave you the opportunity to seize the day. And it goes right back to you jumping on opportunities. And I think that's probably, you know, I'm learning you more and more as we have these conversations. And, you know, obviously I think just being who we are, I think we're going to have a long-term relationship, right? It's just going to be more so like friends and business partners in the long run. But just hearing you speak, I can kind of hear it in you. I mean, you're, you're an inspiring person. You saw the opportunity to take where your parents were and give back to them by achieving way more, which I commend you for that. I mean, that, that's not something that an average person is not willing to carry on their back, to carry that yeah. weight on their shoulders. So definitely applaud you for, for, Thanks, man. for that. Appreciate it. So in, in addition to that, right? So it seems like you're a big family person. How, how do you juggle your work life with your family life? You know, that's, that's actually really hard. And um, there Unfortunately, there's been a lot of uh, missed holidays, uh, missed uh, birthdays and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that um, has come about it is my, my opportunity to help out my parents. And I think at the end of the day, even though they get frustrated and stuff like that, they still recognize why that happens, you know, especially working for Department of Homeland Security, um, there was a lot of times where I wasn't home during Christmas. I wasn't mm-hmm. home Thanksgiving, New Year's, things like that. Just some of those things just didn't happen. Um, but the thing is that my parents, you know, over time have learned why that stuff happens. And I think um, the most recent thing was um, earlier this year, you know, my dad was diagnosed with diabetes. And so I was able to take the time to just go and take them. And I was going to say, take the time off, but I didn't have to call anybody. I went and I took my dad, took care of him, you know, took him to his doctor's appointments, bought his medication, whatever he needed. And that's realistically now they're seeing it where, you know, maybe at the beginning they were so hesitant. They weren't, you know, they weren't able to, to really see that. And and now they have, and I think that time and patience has really paid off for them to understand why I'm traveling, why I'm doing what I'm doing, because when those times do come about where there's a necessity for me to be home or to take care of my parents, then I can do that without having an issue at work or having to call in and waste sick hours or whatever it may be. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, even continuing on this journey of, of, yeah. of your routines, right. And just understanding your background, understanding how you're juggling your family life, what's your morning habits and your morning routines look like? They they have changed. Um, they have really changed, and I think for the better. So, kind of going back to, you know, earlier this year, it was different. Um, earlier this year, I would have to wake up. I went to certain, several classes in the morning. Then I'd have to be, you know, at my office all day, taking care of clients and taking care of work. Um, and then this pandemic will really didn't allow me to be hitting the gym like I wanted it to in the morning, mm-hmm. you know. And there was times where in the morning. I'd wake up, have breakfast, come to work. And I realized that I didn't really, my brain didn't really stop. So I would get home 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and I was still thinking about work. Mm-hmm. And there was days where I would, dude, I couldn't sleep. I, I'd get two hours of sleep because everything's on my mind. And how am I going to make this business work through a pandemic? And luckily enough, you know, um, things started changing. And most recently in the last three weeks, I wake up at 6 a.m., that hasn't changed, but I wake up 6 a.m. and uh, get up, 
brush my teeth, you know, grab some water and head out to the gym. Hmm. And one of the things that I found out that that changes is that it changes my mentality for the day. I feel more positive. I feel like I have more energy. I feel like, all right, well, I already hit the gym for, you know, half hour, an hour. I can do more than this. And I do, you know, last night I didn't go home until nine o'clock and um, I was fine. I didn't feel tired. I didn't, you know, really feel the need to have to take a nap in the day or anything like that. And that I, I think that then resonates to my clientele and how I'm running my business. You know, am I only having office hours from nine to five or am I really here from nine to nine and killing it? Can I fit in more business? Can I not? You know, it, it really does change the way that I feel, the way that I act, the way that, you know, my emotions work. Because as you may know, as a business owner, there's never a time when there's not a problem. If it's not one thing, <laughs> it's another, right? <laughs> and and I'm human, man. I, I get pissed. I get angry. Yes, I get frustrated. You never feel like anything goes your way. And with going to the gym, I, re- I, I realized that I really let my anger out there. And then I have a positive, I have a more calm mind, I have, you know, endorphins are getting dropped into my body. So it really, it really helps out at the end of the day to just take that time to take care of yourself, read a book, step away from everything. And, you know, that hasn't been the case, you know, that just really started this year because, hmm. you know, my first two years, it was hustling, man. It was every day, 12, 13, 14 hour days. I didn't go to the gym. I didn't care because I was like, I just need to build this business. Yep. And as you kind of grow and you start, you know, being able to take that time to realize, Hey, you need to step away. If not, you're going to bring yourself out and then you're not going to have a business to go to. You may want to shut down. You may want to quit. And that's not what I want. Gotcha. So, I mean, in, in, in that topic, right. I think you kind of alluded to a a telltale sign of successful individuals. Not only are they sticking to a routine, sticking to a schedule and working out, but you kind of just said it nonchalantly, but reading, right? Reading books and getting opportunity to kind of grow and scale yourself. So at any given time, somebody's always like for myself, I'm a big audiobook guy. I'm a, I'm reading probably like four books right now, all on audible and I'm juggling them. And, and I'm really big on reading the book, referring to the, the, the reference, going to the link, taking action, making phone calls. And I'm constantly kind of growing and developing that way. So what, what, what books are you currently reading right now? Oh, man. Um, so it kind of, to go back on this, though, I hated reading. Growing up, I hated reading. And I think I hated it more because I was told that I had to do it. Mm-hmm. And when you're told you have to do something, you typically don't want to do it 110%. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I realized is that there's books out there that have to do solely with entrepreneurship. And some of the biggest ones and the biggest one that has had an impact on me is, um, is The Power of Broke which is by Damon John, one of the sharks. Mm -hmm. He really talked about being money hungry and what that did to his business, what that did. And they have stories from other people such as Steve Aoki. Um, They have, I mean, he just really took this apart. And then there's a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't know how your podcast goes, but The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up. And uh, that was a really good one. And it really really, really that title tells that, you know, tells you exactly what you need to do is not Uh give a, you know, it really don't. And that really changed my thinking mentally because I said, I used to have this, this kind of mindset of, I cared about everybody's opinion. Hmm. Now I don't. The only validation that I need is myself. At the end of the day, I'm living with myself, right? Yep. That critic, they're not paying my bills. They're not 
coming, you know, working 12 hour, 14 hour days to build his business. I don't care. Um, and then there's another book um, called the day to day guide of time management. Nice. Um, I just started that one and that's a, it's it, so far it, it's good. Um, I, I'm not going to give a conclusion yet cause I just started it, but mm. finding books that really matter. There was another one that I had to read, um, during college is called the, so the, uh, economics or I think it's called the economics of the world. And that really taught me a little bit more about financing and money management. Mm -hmm. So I think what I did is I found where my weaknesses were found books that, you know, were rated and I, and researched them before I did. And that's, that's, you know, what I'm, what I'm reading right now. And it's important to read. It's really something to take the time to do so because it does help you grow as a person. If you take it as that. Yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, to your point, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, the orange book, if people are not familiar with it, it's a, uh, it's definitely like just hearing the guy speak because he does a lot of speaking engagements as well to the yeah. author. So just like he comes out with, with not, not necessarily arrogance, but he comes out with this yeah. persona and he kind of just sets the bar second he comes on yep. stage. So it's, it's literally, he lives by the definition of that book and it's just kind of carrying yourself in that fashion. Well, you know what? One of the biggest things with that book, and I, it's not quote for quote, but at the beginning it says, if you're not willing to change your mind, or if you're not going to be take, taking this book serious, then stop reading it and hand it to somebody else. Yeah. And a dude immediately, I was like, who is this dude? Sure <laughs> enough, man, I started reading it and he gave some valid points and even deeper thinking of how people will take their personal feelings and attack you with it because that's their personal feelings. Mm -hmm. But then he also talks about how you as a person need to understand where they're coming from and try to find a middle ground. Mm -hmm. But he also talks about there's times where you fuck them pretty much, you know, they, yeah. that's it. That's really it to it. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean, the irony of that is like, that was one of the books that I was modeling my first book series about. Right. And it, was, it was kind of like I had the F word in there and it was just looking at those genre of books, yeah. but it's definitely interesting, man. I'm definitely happy you're reading that book. It's definitely a, a fruitful book to kind of put on your reading list if it's not there currently. Right. So uh, I agree. Definitely. So with that, right. I mean, you're, you're 25, right. And I usually ask the question, like, where do you see yourself in 20 years? But for you, I'm thinking like, where do you see yourself in 40 years? I mean, really in truth, the hell with the 20, where do you see yourself in four decades? <laughs> you know what? Um, my ultimate dream, and this is something I've been planning and this is why East here media is where it's at today. Mm -hmm. I have this dream of creating a business called EHQ, the entrepreneurship headquarters. Okay. And the dream of that is to have a one-stop shop, a one huge building for entrepreneurs to be able to come in and get all, all the mentorship that they need mm -hmm. from, for, from business building to, you know, business plan to legalities, marketing, advertisement, photography, video, content. I want them to be able to come in take their entire business and make it a reality. Hmm. And the reason why that is a thing for me is, you know, we talked about this on the daily entrepreneur was that people fail to even try to tell me what, what business was about. They saw me as competition mm -hmm. and it sucked, man. It was discouraging that people would do that. And I was just like, how you've been in business for 10 years. It's not like I'm going to take your clientele. If your clientele loves you, Mm -hmm. why would they come to me? And um, so 
that's the ultimate dream is EHQ is my ultimate dream because I do want to have the next generation of entrepreneurs have the understanding of business building because I mean, I've recently met people that started their businesses and uh, you know, they're running it as a sole proprietorship, mm. but then yet they're trying to say, Hey, I'd like to get the EIOD or this help from COVID. Mm. They don't recognize a uh, sole proprietorship. You know, you have to be an LLC. And on top of the LLC, there's legalities to LLC, separating your business, you know, and making you two entities, not one. Yep. And that failure of them understanding puts them in a, in a, in a kind of in a shit area because now they're having a struggle or having to pay somebody to come in and fix all these problems instead of learning it from the very start. And the way that I see entrepreneurship, I see it like building a house, right? If you have a great foundation, good, you're set to go. Mm -hmm. If you have a crap foundation, guess what happens to it? One day it's going to fail. Yeah. And now you have to pay a contractor to come and redo the foundation of the house. And you have to rebuild the entire house on top of that. And that's, that's realistically where I see myself, you know, hopefully in the next 20 years. And if cybersecurity becomes a thing, that's going to be my next business venture. I'm, I hope to have my own cybersecurity firm and be tapped into another industry. Nice, nice. Are you familiar with Onyx Agal? I'm not. So when you get opportunity, you want to look up Onyx Agal. Um, his website is learn, spell L-U-R-N.com. And the principles that, that, that you just demonstrated, it's pretty much his business model. He learn, not only does he have online courses, but he reaches out to the community of specialists, right? So if you're looking for SEO specialists, he's looking for a graphic design specialist, he's looking for how to make money by selling books and all this different information yeah. that you're talking about, he reaches out to them, he records new content, and then he creates courses online. In addition to that, he has a learn center in Maryland that's like 100% driven by entrepreneurs. He does workshops, um, he does groups, he does investment strategies, webinars, seminars, all in this one space. So if you get opportunity, you definitely want to go to learn.com. And you know, Anik is really big on marketing too. He's really big on, on Facebook and Instagram. So I would definitely try to connect to him because he, he's a great resource to kind of see his business model and strategize based upon what's working for him currently right now. Man, that, I already pulled up his site and this yeah. looks legit already, man. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, anything you could think about from online marketing, he has a yeah. course for it, right? And just looking That's at his awesome. business model, you think about it, he has like, what, a couple hundred thousand students on that one platform. Yeah. You get, and if you look at the location, the location is, is a wonderful location in the sense it's 100% driven by an entrepreneur for entrepreneurs. Yo, this is awesome. This cool. is really, dude, I'm happy you brought this up, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, that's what I love about this podcast. It's all based upon the conversation and the questions right. are driven based upon your responses. As soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, he, got, he has to check out Learn. If he doesn't know <laughs> about Onik, you need to kind of get on Onik and, and get on his um, Facebook page and kind of see the things that he's doing currently. And he's, he's in the game. He started in the game pretty young like you did, right? And right. through that, then, you know, you're thinking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. He had... Yes. he got that guy on his um, forward for his book. So think about the magnitude of kind of where he started to where he is right now. That is right? awesome. So he had Robert write the forward for one of his books. And that's like, they look at Onik as like the next Rich Dad Poor Dad representative for, for the next generation. So it's definitely cool seeing that you're heading in, in that direction, right? So yeah, next, awesome. next up is, is like, what, what kind of tools do you use? I mean, what, what's the, the tools behind the scenes that you would not be able to do what you do without? And it, I mean, in, in what sense, like software base, are you talking about physical equipment? Or are you talking about, 
I don't know, is it like a driving force behind me or what, what do you mean by that? Well, so kind of like spinning off of like, you talked about your CRMs earlier. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously your Photoshop goes without saying, right? Right. Like what are the tools that, you know, that you would not be able to do what you're doing without having access to those tools. So it can be anything. Just what's your, your key tool besides a camera, besides Photoshop that you use on a daily day basis? Uh, biggest thing is my CRM. Um, uh, I use what's called Tave. Tave is a CRM based around photographers, videographers, mm. events coordinators. And um, it, it connects with my, my Google Calendar. So when a, a lead comes in, it puts it in there as tentative. And once it's booked and, you know, contract has been signed, then it switches over and it's, it's a fixed confirm um, in, in the schedule. And that's really important. You know, when I was younger, one of the things that I hated was when I would want to talk to somebody about business, they're like, you know, oh, make sure you reach out to so-and-so or here's a link to my Calendly or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how important that was because there is times where you're going to have meetings and you might double book and you don't even know it unless there is a way to track that. And I think that is the biggest one because it also the CRM also allows me to track finances, mm-hmm. which right now having a, an employee and um, having you know an office and stuff like that, you need to be able to track your revenues uh, month to month to yearly basis to have that information for some bigger things, if I ever wanted to use money or borrow money from a bank, they're going to ask me for my balance sheet or my, you know, profits and losses. And um, having that CRM allows me to do all that without really having to do much. Because as soon as that lead converts to a, a booked event, hmm. then it tracks that revenue and says, hey, this is the revenue for, you know, your estimated revenue for this year, which helps out a lot. I mean, that would be the biggest one thing that... Um, I need on a day-to-day basis for my business. Nice. Nice. I mean, yeah, I definitely could contest that. I mean, CRMs are definitely golden and even like, you know, QuickBooks just on a financial side to kind of yeah. have estimations and, and to kind of see where were you last month. Like for me, I hate when I log into my QuickBooks and yeah. I see like a 5% drop from like the month before. I'm like, what the hell? Like, nah. So then I want to triple that the next month. I want to make sure there's a 50 right. percent increase to make up for that 5%. So I'm at 10% overall. So right. it definitely it gives you the vision to kind of keep you on task right. as far as your financial goals, right? So, right. and one of the, one of, before we go on, yeah. one of the things I do want to bring up uh, to the listeners is this is an important subject from the start of your business because a lot of people, when they go into business, they don't track this financial stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they're wondering, why am I not making money? Well, if you don't understand your own financials, you're not going to know when to make money, how to make money or how many products you have to sell next month or how many shoots Mm -hmm. you have to book or, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, how many times services do I need to a pay myself and two uh, to pay the bills of the business. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. So, going into final words of wisdom, right? So obviously you're a young guy and somebody may be listening to this, this podcast and they may have a kid coming out of high school. What words would you have that's insightful to say, Hey, you're coming out of high school or maybe someone that's 30, 40, 50 years old. What words would you tell them to inspire them to keep them moving forward towards their business goals and objectives? Oh man, there's so much. Um, I'm going to split this into, into two different things. Okay. Uh, first one is, you know, if you're a high school student coming out of college, uh, coming out of high school and thinking about going into college, the very first thing I would say is take time to learn yourself. Take some time off, whether it's six months or a year, to go and discover who you are. 
one of the downsides with society is this belief of going from high school or 12 years of being told what to do, having a summer off to then being told you need to uh, declare a degree so that you can get FAFSA, right? Mm -hmm. I don't agree with that. Um, I had the opportunity to go and do all these other programs and stuff to kind of teach me where I wanted to be and where I'm at today. Um, so that's the one thing I would suggest. And, uh, you know, if parents are listening, don't force your kids into something that you did because you did it. You know, I, I want kids to be able to explore themselves. And if they go in with a certain degree and they immediately don't like it semester one, go switch your classes, go do something else. Don't force yourself to be unhappy because you will continue to be unhappy. Mm -hmm. And if business is something that you want to learn, definitely do a business major do a different kind of minor, a minor in something completely polar opposite so that you have an understanding of some other business or you have an understanding of how a different industry works. And secondly, to somebody that's 30, 40 years old, somebody that's already in entrepreneurship or is a business owner um, or may want to switch careers or start a businesses, don't be scared to do so. A lot of people get stuck in this hole where they work a nine to five and they do it for 30 years and they don't know what else to do after that. Hmm. Sometimes they're scared. Sometimes they fear, but don't be fearful. You know, just make sure you, you either hire somebody or you get mentorship from somebody that is going to teach you exactly the industry you're going to go into. Don't, you know, also make sure you research what you do. Don't get taken advantage of people trying to sell you some business plan for hundred thousand dollars and it has zero return. I mean, that would definitely put you in a hole. Make the research, take the time, and always be willing to reach out. If you have kids, make your kids work free for you. You know, sometimes that is what you need to to build your business. And I don't mean it in, in you know, in any wrong form, but your friends and family are gonna take um are gonna take that chance with you and hopefully rightfully so that they do. And at some point, hopefully down the road, once your business is booming, you can buy in some pizza, take them out or actually pay them. But don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to reach out. And, you know, even my doors are open. My doors are open to anybody that needs, you know, even a one-on-one on Zoom or a phone call. I'm always willing to sit down and talk to anybody about business. Nice, nice. So, I mean, how can people, I mean, now that you opened up that, that, that door, right? So, I mean, how can people find you online? Instagram, Facebook, email, phone number? Yeah, across the board, everything is Easier Media. So you can go to www.easiermedia.com. Um, Facebook, same thing, Easier Media. Uh, Instagram, Easier Media. LinkedIn, uh, Editor Sierra is my name. You guys can find me on LinkedIn as well. Um, there's a, a lot of ways. Um, I would give out my office number, but uh, right now it's disconnected. So uh, it's best to reach me out through email, edgar at ecrmedia.com. That's E-D-G-A-R at ecrmedia.com. Nice, nice. So we're going to go into some bonus questions, right? All right. So the primary bonus question, and I always, say, I always ask this question because everybody's answer is always going to be 100% uniquely different, right? So right. if you could spend 24 hours in a day with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, You know, ah, that's a tough one. That's a tough. Actually, no. The one person that I would um, like to spend time with was Mark Cuban. Mm. And the reason for Mark Cuban is more than just an entrepreneur. He actually has a heart. He has a soul. And, you know, one of the recent things that really blew my mind that he did was there was a basketball player. And I, I'm not mm. a sports fan, so I don't know his name. 
Um, but he used to work for, he used to play for the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, his life just got ruined. He went off to do drugs and all this and Mark Cuban went to go pick him up and took him to rehab. Hmm. Mark didn't have to do that. Mark didn't have to do any of that. And he did. And, and I, I may be a little wrong, but they also did an initiative under the Obama administration with Damon Johns of this entrepreneurship global force. And man, that would be awesome to be a part of or that, you know, um, I, I'd like to pick his brains and, you know, and really find out how do you keep that balance of genuineship as well as, you know, continuing to manage the Mavericks while also, you know, going on Shark Tank and running all these other ventures. I really would love to spend 24 hours with, with him and, and really pick his brain on all that. Nice, nice, nice. So what is your most significant achievement to date? Oh, this business, man. Uh, actually, I t- I'm going to take that back. Um, helping a buddy of mine achieve his dream. His name is also Edgar, Edgar Gonzalez. And uh, last year or, yeah, last year he approached me at the beginning of the year and said, hey, man, I have a dream. I want to start my own business. I said, okay, let's do it. Given as much knowledge and knowledge as I could. He went from working out of his own personal truck, being a mobile mechanic to, we just recently bought our third truck for the business. Nice. The business has been booming. We doubled up profits from last year and to see him be happy, um, know that he's making moves and to hear the thank you from him just for helping him out with the knowledge that I had. That's my biggest accomplishment. That really is right there. My accomplishment in life. Gotcha. And I think that that's like the tip of the iceberg. I mean, to, to your point, I mean, you're in your twenties and where you are currently right now in the next 40 years, you're probably going to be able to do that reoccurring on a monthly basis for thousands of people. Exactly. Exactly. And I can't wait for that, man. Can't wait. Nice. Nice. So yeah. So in, in closing, you know, I always give opportunity for all my guests, kind of give you the microphone and, and do you have any questions for me? Yeah. Who would you spend your 24 hours with? So when I was originally asked that question, um, I always kind of refer back to Einstein and I'm going to still stand with that. I mean, Einstein is just an opportunity for multiple different reasons from like the race for him overcoming the hurdles for him being viewed as, you know, idiot in school and becoming one of the greatest minds we've ever had. But when you look back at his achievements and the things that he's created and established and his philosophies, they still exist. And considering that I'm an entrepreneur and not to say he wasn't necessarily an entrepreneur, but just his philosophies of standing his ground and proving his concepts 100% correct is kind of what I feel, not in comparison to Einstein, but where I am right now. It's like I'm doing multiple different things, and from the outside, it may look completely crazy, but for me, I know I'm in a system, and when the end results come out, then it's going to be like, aha, the eureka moment, which kind of goes right back to being Einstein. No, that is awesome, man. I, I never even thought about it that way, so that's a really good point. Apart from your books, what books would you recommend or what are you currently reading? Oh, man. I'll just pull up the app because it's just so many different things. <laughs> <laughs> so for right now, like literally to our point, our conversation we had earlier today, we just kind of like land. So, you know, if anybody that knows me, it knows that like once I dive into something, I'll dive in 10,000 fold. So like right now I'm working more so in like land and I'm trying to do some more research on how to acquire land and how to utilize the land. And a lot of people think buying land essentially is building something. And I'm like, well, 
there's opportunities to get your hands on land and use the land and monetize the land and still have opportunities to grow the land from just monetizing trees on the land and using the land for not farmland, but for recreational purposes. And then afterwards, you can build on the land. So you can use that land and make money 10 times over before you build anything right. on it. So for right now, I'm, I'm, I just got into this book series called um, Land Buying Tips for the Pros. And the book is really a solid book. It was kind of like a keyword find. I'm listening to the audio book and the guy, he resourced to maybe 10 to 15 land developers, guys that were like him that started off buying land and yeah. he's asking them different questions. Okay, so you're a title guy. Tell us more about titles. Well, you're a guy that's doing more resource and development for, for land and discovering the, the quality of the soil. Tell us more about the soil. So in this book, it's just uh, like millions of resources that these four to five different high profile individuals are disclosing in this book. And there's two volumes. So that's one book that I'm like reading over and over and over and over and over again right now. Uh, (laughs) In addition to that is uh, T. Harvey's uh, Secrets, The Secrets of a Millionaire Mind. That's definitely a solid book. And, you know, I've been to a couple of his his. Uh, events like last year as well too. So kind of figured out that he had a book and just listened to his book and just his philosophy is going back to financials. Uh, and it's kind of, you always hear about the 80, 20 rule and he's kind of saying, okay, look, if you're making a hundred dollars, then 10% should go here, 10% should go here, 10% should go here. And he has this complete system of how to devise your hundred dollars amongst these buckets as they're, as they're called. So you have a, a savings bucket, but it's not necessarily a savings bucket. It's a bucket for you to grow enough mo- monetary value to go buy a piece of of land and buy an asset. And that's exactly what he's doing, right? He's saying, hey, right. you take ten dollars, you take ten dollars and you spend it on yourself, but you take ten dollars and you give it back to somebody. You take another ten dollars and you put that towards your, your your global wealth fund. So that's another really book that that I'm reading right now currently. That's that's a really interesting point of view with that. That yeah. really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on the Millionaire Mind. It's the Millionaire Mind Initiative. If you have an opportunity, it's definitely a really cool initiative. It's like a two-day weekend workshop. And just the information that you get and the people that you meet in those environments is like you can't find other people like that anywhere else in the world. So it's kind of like a Tony Robbins kind of feel. No, that's awesome. And Tony Robinson, I mean, he really has some great books that, you know, some people should really pick up mm-hmm. and, really, and, and read because they're really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just talk about Tony Robbins in general. If you've never been to a Tony Robbins event, make that shit happen at least once <laughs> in your life. <laughs> like, seriously, yeah. like, I mean, he has micro events and he has like the, the huge events that he does in like Hawaii, but right. you know, he comes to events all over the country on a regular basis. So I would think if you have opportunity, definitely get to it. Cause it to see people sitting down, coming in, the studious individuals that are business-minded people and their hands across like this and they're listening to like, he's not going to make me do anything. And then literally two hours into it, they're rubbing people's backs and doing high fives and hugging everybody. And he yeah. takes you on an emotional roller coaster. But at the end of it, it's all about inspiring you to achieve whatever your goals are. And that is awesome. after you leave, you're taking action on whatever it is that you want to do. Well, that's going on my to-do list now, man. Topics of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, so Edgar, man, obviously this was a great podcast. I appreciate you taking the time out to schedule it. The little backstory, like we had to go back and forth on, on scheduling it. And that's the beauty yeah. of being an entrepreneur. It's always something popping up. So I definitely appreciate you uh, penciling us in and getting it done, man. Hey, thank you, brother. I really appreciate you for having me on. And I look forward to working with you, man. Definitely, definitely, man. So uh, S.A. Grant, over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an uncaged trailblazer. 
don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash free book.